Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A Tardis of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Welcome to another bedroom session. Of the yeah, podcast. happy to be here. Um, feel like the time was good. Yeah, last time. Yeah, it was like, fine. Perfectly viable option, and yeah, not in a weird meeting room at work. No, I do miss seeing the weird people walking past, giving us weird looks, and us just pretending to work with a podcast mic <laughs> and a weirdly positioned laptop. Uh, it's uh, online channels online work channels. actually. If anyone asks. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. How's your week been? Dude, Before? literally that was me thinking. <laughs> that was the noise of me being like, fuck, what do I have to say? It's been two weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks and a day, I think. <sighs> I don't think we're allowed to say we're tired. because we. No, I know, because it's literally all we say. But no change in status? Um, it's, what day is it today? We are recording Thursday, on the... December the 15th. Yep. And December the 15th, like, deep into December. Yeah. And we still have a week to go. And my brain is like, okay, now we rest. And we're like, not yet, brain. Just hang in there. <laughs> so close. <laughs> so close. I'm going to eke out some more work. It's also got really hot. Like, this is the last time I'll complain about it, but I don't deal well with the heat. <laughs> and it's been really, really humid. Mm. And I feel like my brain is cooking. Mm. So I've been, like, living under the aircon of my house. But I feel like it's really bougie to, like, have the aircon all the time. And also it kind of only really does the downstairs. Yeah. So I've like, been making, like, a cool cave to retreat to when I feel like I'm about to, like, rage punch someone because I'm so hot. Yeah, well, you don't want to be upstairs when it's hot because all the heat is up there. Yeah. I was thinking of you yesterday when I was out in town and I was wearing my jeans and my flannel shirt, like you're wearing now, rolled up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking no. around. I'm it like, was so hot yesterday. <laughs> would not be a pretty No, shirt I'm only wearing this today because it's cooler today and it's borderline. It is raining today as well. But yeah. that doesn't help the humidity. No, it really doesn't. No. But it does help the pollen, which is murdering me. Yeah. Yeah. How have you been? Well, dying because of hay fever. <laughs> it's just been horrible. I've basically had a consistent headache since last Thursday, Friday. I don't know. It's just... Time has lost all meaning. Yeah, dude. And yesterday was particularly bad. Like, I feel like my antihistamines just weren't even working. So I was just sneezing constantly. And I have this real fear when I'm driving and I'm sneezing. I'm like, I'm going to die. Like, actually, though. Yeah. So that was fun. But it's been slightly better today. And I went to have acupuncture, which has relieved some of the pressure in my face. So I can bend over without it feeling like my face is going to fall off. So, yeah. I'm into that. Big fan. (laughs) (laughs) But I resent. That my body would betray me like this. No, I know from breathing. Mm. Just the outside environment. Yeah. How was this my fault? The great outdoors. I mean, I did also bring the outdoors in, so that might be also my problem, is that Mm. I brought the Christmas tree inside. Oh, the Christmas tree. I thought you meant you might have flowers, but no, No. I just forgot that that is an alive tree. Well, alive. Used to be alive. Emitting aliveness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. So that has been a fun time, and I'm like rubbing my eye because it's itchy. Anyway, it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> do you want to do our episode somewhere? I do. Thank you very much. So, season two, in episode 10, we meet Elton Pope, an ordinary man intrigued by the world of the Doctor, when he and fellow enthusiasts, Linda, <laughs> meet the mysterious Victor Kennedy, their lives will never be the same again. Correct. Um, okay, so first out of the gate, tell test. <laughs> like, no. I think no, right? No, unless 
Does Moaning Myrtle have conversations with the other female? Not really, because no. Elton's the protagonist. Like, yeah, and so, like, her. Bliss is there, the older woman is there, Moaning Myrtle's there. <laughs> like, they're all talking, but never exclusively yeah. to each other. Yeah. And, like, Jackie turns up, still only talking to a man. And Jackie and Rose obviously have a conversation off screen, but that doesn't count. No. And then Rose is there talking to Elton and or the Doctor. Yeah. No, I think it's no. Like, fucking hell. Yeah, not great. Not a great track record with the big tail. No, really not. Okay, so I just need to I need to get this out there. <laughs> a strap in for Soap's Hot Take. This is a weird episode. Yes. But I don't hate it. Mm, intriguing. But I do have a personal theory, and you may have no slash done some research actually know this, but it feels fillery. Yeah. It feels like the Doctor and Rose weren't available to film because no, they are yeah. actually in this episode for like a minute screen yeah. time yeah like they're not in it not at all so you get this weird like proto youtuber yeah elton doing his thing who's also danny from hustle yeah yeah and yeah it feels like one of those they're like oh fuck we've run out of episodes for the season quick do one but david tennant and billy piper are kind of committed to the next thing so they're like just pick, get them in for some pickup shots yeah and then the episode is like entirely not with them in it yeah so this is a big thing back in the rtd era it's like the who light episodes they call them so basically oh. because they i think it's such a big commitment for the stars to film 13 to 14 episodes a season they try to always do one that has a a lighter presence of mm. particularly the, doc- the doctor but usually also the companion so the four russell t davies Maybe the later ones, but predominantly I remember it from this era. Yeah, so that they are not on screen. Yeah. So we've got this one, you've got Blink in season three, which is the Weeping Angels one, the first Weeping Angels one. Yeah. And then there's one, season four with Donna, that is turn left, I think. So she's still in it, but the Doctor's not really in it. Yeah. So they do these little interspersion things. But I mean, it's a massive tonal shift from the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, it really one. is. It's much more kind of torchwoody. There's a torchwood episode called Random Shoes that's almost exactly the same. So yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. No, good that you brought up Torchwood because that's exactly it. That's the tone that didn't occur to me when I was watching it. But that's it. It's like a bit more tongue in cheek, almost kind of irreverent. Like, what did I make a note about? Almost like fun, almost mm. to the point of being like hammy. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Uh, okay, that makes sense. So then, when this was being filmed, like Doctor and Rose could have like I don't know how long it takes to film an app normally, like mm. a week. Who knows? Mm, who could knows? have that time off to just you know like yeah rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Absorbalov, the, the monster of the week in this one, was designed by a nine-year-old, and he won a Blue Peter contest, and that's how this oh! came about. And this episode is, like, universally loathed. Like, the fandom hates this episode. Random! Okay. Yeah. So I didn't know the Blue Peter thing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Why do they hate it? Because it's not hooey? Because it's, like... Everyone just thinks it's really bad, I think. Like, in terms of the monster, is not really believable. And, like, the tone. I think it's just the tone that throws people. Yeah, it is, it is quite, yeah. like, is it Peter K? I think it's Peter K that's playing the Absorber Lot. Yeah. And he's kind of this, like, comedian. I know him as, like, a stand-up comedian in England. But he's not, like, a serious actor. No. And he's definitely really leaning into this being, like, a caricature of a baddie. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, it's just yuck. It's kind of gross. Like, he grosses me out, and I think it's meant to be gross. Yeah. Like, when he's in his absorbalothy form. It's kind of juvenile, like, in a way, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. Like, if he'd been farting, that would have been out of place Slippy. in terms of tone. Yeah, right? Okay, I should do our discussion question before we crack into it. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. So, 
basically I was watching this and I the immediate thing that I thought about was obviously fandom I think this is a great critique of sort of how fandoms work in a lot of ways and I wonder if Russell T Davies didn't like do that on purpose because the Who fandom is quite rabbit especially online mm-hmm. you know lots of opinions everyone like I think Doctor Who fans do a really good job of absolutely hating the show they're watching while also <laughs> still being obsessed with it like it's it's a fascinating thing but also within that this idea of found families because Alton mm. sort of finds his people in this episode. He, he finds a community and they find each other and they form bonds with each other. And it's just a lo- really lovely thing for people who are outcast or who don't feel like they belong anywhere else when they find their people. And I thought that was really relevant to us as well, because obviously we try to do things through a feminist and a queer lens and that found families are a big thing in the queer subculture. And I also thought of the saying, you know, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, because people always misquote that and say that, you know, blood is thicker than water and try to use it as an, an excuse for always putting your family first. But the real intent behind that saying is that the bonds you make by choice are actually more important than the people who you are bound with through familial ties. It's the yeah. people you choose who matter. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about found families. Yeah, it's awesome. Like you said, super relevant at this time of year, for sure. Like a time when, you know, American Americans just had Thanksgiving, going back to families, and kind of problematic if you feel like you are a misfit and you mm. don't fit in with your birth family. And maybe you're doing things like having Friendsgiving, you're having like a family, like a found family Christmas instead that's coming up. Yeah. And- I think it's also why people struggle this time of year. A lot of people don't feel positive about Christmas because they Mm. feel like there's a lot of societal expectation around you have to go home for the holidays, you have to be happy, you have to spend this time with your family when a lot of people don't, their families are not safe spaces. They don't have a good time being at home or visiting their family and then this expectation that you need to be happy because it's Christmas is quite a lot. Like, I am a Christmas person, I love Christmas, but I've also made my own traditions, my own little... Mm. unique little things that I do because I've lived so many different places I've often been away from home over Christmas yeah so for me I've separated those two things and I know people get lonely as well when they can't they feel isolated by the idea of Christmas because they don't have family to go home to or they feel like they on the outside of that narrative because they can't relate to it and I'm like make your own family it's great I love my little Wellington family (laughs) yeah that's awesome dude that's so cool I totally agree I think that there's too much pressure put on obligation in that space Mm. and i don't think we owe anything to people who aren't you know making us happy making us feel good about ourselves and our choices and Mm. yeah boundary setting is so difficult with family though isn't it like it's Mm. so hard to enforce your own boundaries especially if you're from a you know a very traditional family where yeah even when you're an adult your parents can be like not in my house or whatever. I know, know, and then this is a point for me to check my privilege yeah. because I'm very aware that I come from a, in the grand scheme of things, pretty progressive, supportive family. And so I've never had that issue. Like, mm. I can't imagine not being able to be. I mean, am I ever my true self completely 100% with my family? Probably not. Not as I've got older and older and kind of made my own way. But I'm like, almost. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in all the major ways I am. And so I've never had to, like, really, you know, for safety's sake, hide a part of myself or anything like that. And I can't imagine how hard. Yeah. Like, if you have to go back in the closet or something like that, Yeah, let alone, you know, in terms of, like, expressing your gender identity, Mm. like... And then, you know, add to that that maybe you live in a city and you're going home to a small town where your family reside. And now you have to, like, back to that in as well. And seeing, say you had a horrific time at high school and you're seeing, you know, all the people in the little, you know, village 
where you grew up that you had a horrific time and so you're reliving a lot of that trauma and yeah you make the the great point that that family isn't always a safe space yeah um and i don't think people are allowed to say that i feel like people aren't allowed to it's such a you know it's almost like a crime to say that you don't find yourself your family comforting mm. or it's like well what's wrong with you then well actually nothing it's fine to like just like you've served your purpose like there's nothing wrong with being like okay we actually have nothing in common so why do we force ourselves to spend yeah. this time together no i think it's really true dude i think that so i've had like i think we talked about it in a different episode but like i've had quite a few chats with people who are like friends ish or you know or like you know more acquaintance level that don't get it or kind of think I'm kind of cold for being like that for thinking like actually no I don't feel like you should inherently owe Mm. your family an obligation and also the other way around that there isn't there shouldn't be this obligation on you as a child to look after your parents to you know do all that stuff because they chose to have you without you choosing to be born right Mm -hmm. so by that factor you shouldn't then be like they're not like making a caregiver without consent like that's weird (laughs) i feel that that's weird and i know in a lot of cultures that's very much the norm and that is happily taken up by the children and that's totally cool and that's totally different Mm. but when you're made to feel that oh why don't you visit us more or why don't you Mm." yeah it's interesting because like you know i've spoken to you about this I feel this obligation to go and visit my grandmother in South Africa and my extended mm-hmm. family. But part of me is always just thinking, I don't want to go for very long. I'll only go for a couple of days, make a real fly in, fly out, visit basically just to see my grandmother, which I know will upset people. But then at the same time, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do when I'm there. Yeah. So what am I going to do? I've got nothing in common with these people. They mm. don't, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, literally. You know, what are they going to ask me about? We don't have the same frame of reference. Our lives are completely different. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of why subject why pretend yeah exactly that's it and and it's weird because i don't think they're that type of person is probably not interrogating it enough they're thinking it's like we want to see jen because she's family full stop they're not like actually what value do we each bring to each other's lives what interests do we share what can we you know connect on it doesn't mean that the relationship wasn't valuable like obviously you know i've got i love my family we had wonderful memories but at the same time why do you have to keep forcing it why can't you just say it was a, t- a moment in time. Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. And then this idea of like, su- like found family and substitute family. Like yeah. I have friends in Wellington that I consider like my welly fana, and yeah. we usually do Christmas together if I'm here, but I'm obviously not here this year. And it's just this idea that there's people that you choose because you have so many things, even not necessarily in common, but you just have a an attraction to mm-hmm. each other. There's something that unites you that is beyond anything else and it feels more meaningful because you've chosen each other yeah it's not like oh well we better invite her because she's family no this is someone who actually wants to spend time with you because of who you are they've interrogated that Mm. and that's why it feels meaningful right no i love it exactly and it's not that it's not a single choice either Mm. you're continually choosing every time to hang out with them every time you spend time with them you're continually being like yeah i want i like this person i want them in my life i want to keep seeing them and that's an ongoing choice which is really special it's really meaningful Mm. just having you know siblings or cousins or that you go and see every few months or six months or every couple years because you have to there's no choice there yeah and that's not yeah i was reading this new yorker article about found families and they talked to five groups of found families yeah how they interacted obviously lgbtq families Mm. and this um, social worker was talking about how it's just critical because they're defined by their intensity in a way 
this chosen family because it's a, a bond that people choose because they need mutual support and love. And mm-hmm. one of the groups had this quote where he said, what do you want from family? You want someone who lets you be who you are. When we finally met each other, it freed us. Mm. And I just love that because it is about being your authentic self, right? Yeah. It's just like when you meet someone and you aren't hiding an aspect and they see you for who you are. And so many people feel like they can't be their authentic selves with their families. Like, mm. Even people with great relationships with their families. Like, I've got a really good relationship with my parents and I'm still freaking out about going home this next week because I have significantly more tattoos <laughs> yeah, than the mate. last time my parents have seen me. And they've only seen me in winter in Australia, but I'm not going to be able to hide these in 40 degree summer Melbourne. Yep. So that's going to be fun for us all. Yeah. Okay. So I'll report back on that. Yeah. In the new year. Yeah, that's a great point too, that there's not, it's not even necessarily like a big schism or like a, a an all or nothing approach. Like you completely find your fine family and cut away your birth mm. family. There might just be you do a drifting away. And then sometimes there is this case of you have the fine family where you can be your true self, but with your family, they just get like a watered down version, mm. a palatable version. Because sometimes it's just easier. Mm. And I, you know, I'm a big believer in like, be your true self, but also you got to protect your energy yeah. and protect your mental health yeah. and keep safe. And if that means playing a game, yeah, yeah. do what you got to do. Choosing the fight as well. Being like, is yep. this worth me having a crack or shall I just let it go? Which is often difficult, but yeah, which I think is <sighs> yeah why it's such a relief sometimes to just have that found family where you just don't have to have those fights because mm. you are ideologically on the same page. Yeah. And so therefore you don't have to worry about things like that. It's not going to take anything from you. And I think a lot of us experience, you know, that introverted, you know, when you're in social situations, you feel drained. I feel like a lot of us go mm. to visit our families and just feel drained because it's not just social, it's compromising of how you live your life because you are now being fit into this box of people who have known you since you were like three or younger in the case of your parents you know what I mean like this idea that often they don't allow for growth they'll still treat you as if you're the same 14 year old that you were when they last Mm. saw you no that's true that's a really good point so especially with extended family I think but even closer family I was talking with one of my partners the other day about actually I think that uh, as time goes on my parents, who I get on with really well, like my mum and my stepdad, like, know me increasingly less mm. as I get older. And it's not that we're not close, we don't keep in touch, we do. But who I am day to day, especially since I moved a bit further away as well, like who I am day to day, who I choose to be in relationships with, like my work, everything mm. becomes more removed physically and kind of in, I don't know, life stage. Yeah. Uh, emotionally. I mean, I, I'm not looking to, my mum especially, we're very close, but... You know, she was my world when I was young. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously when you were a baby, but I mean, like, well into my teens. Yeah. Like, my mum was my best friend, like, mm. and she knew me literally, you know, inside out. And that hasn't been the case for a long time now, I would say. And that's not a bad thing. My mum came down recently and we had a fantastic time. And the partner that we had brunch with afterwards said, you have such a great relationship with your mum, you're almost like friends. Mm. And I'd never thought about it like that, but I think it's got to that point that my need for her as like a parental figure has got less not non-existent but over time our relationship has evolved and i said that to him and he said that's cool because not all relationships have that evolution Mm. and then that made me think about that i was like it's cool when your birth family can do that 
but I think found family gives a lot more room for that evolution. Yeah. Because sometimes you may move apart from the people that are your found family and then you find some others. Yeah. And that's okay. But it's because you're always, I don't know, you're almost evolving at the same time with found family where I feel like with parental figures in particular, you're in different evolutionary paths. The generational gap. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. And maybe the power dynamic too. Mm. That they're like, I've known you literally since you existed and yeah. you're a helpless yeah like you're never gonna get past that yeah because maybe that's more of the thing because i do have friends who are you know the same age as my parents and i've got really good mates and i've often wondered why it feels so different i'm like why can Mm. i have this relationship with you but i can't have that relationship with my parents like what is it but often i feel like when i try like i've tried to be better this year about involving my family in my life because i tend to just be like "Mm, i'll just text you every now and then yeah yeah so i've tried to do more phone calls and stuff but sometimes i feel like I can try and explain things, but it's like it doesn't it doesn't land. Like they don't really absorb my life. And then all I do is sort of become a confidant for them and they can just talk at me about their lives and I'm like, cool. And that's fine. I just find it interesting. Yeah. Like they don't really retain information about my life. Mm. Like my dad, I overheard him on the phone once when I was in Perth last year when I got stuck there. And he was like talking to someone about what I do and I'm like I don't do any of this this is not my job I don't you've been to my university graduation ceremony you know what I studied you were there and you're talking about like oh yeah she works in IT I do not work in IT (laughs) I have a master's degree in writing like what (laughs) IT tech support what the hell man like some of our colleagues would be also forgiven for thinking that Jen works in IT when they yeah any any (laughs) issue Jen why does my email not work I don't fucking know yeah yeah, Have you wow. tried turning it on and off again? <laughs> Fuck sake. Do you think I deleted this thing? Do you think I can call oh, IT, my Jen? God, do you and get it back? <laughs> like, oh, I, I didn't save my Word document. Do you think? Can I call IT and get it back? No! Isn't that the fucking magic? Okay, what? okay. Um, I'm calling IT. No, I'm doing it. I'm calling IT. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um, no, that's a brilliant <laughs> point. And I think uh, maybe it's. Because you don't pick your parents, right? This is a very obvious thing. Mm. But also. You're not picking... So, like, when you pick friends, when you pick that friend family, you'll pick, like you said, on a values alignment, but also, like, a traits. Yeah. So, things you value. For example, in that context, you value active listening. Yes, I do. Very much so. People who actively are there to listen, they're not just waiting for their turn to talk. Mm -hmm. They're absorbing, and they're going to engage with you. But often, your family might not have any of these traits that you have decided are important to you. Mm. And then you're not on the same terms of anything. It's like when you just choose people to date or mm. become really close friends. You know, if you had that misalignment of like, they don't listen when I talk. Yeah. You'd be like, yeet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you give your family a greater opportunity, right? You're less likely to eat them because you do have this whatever societal construct of a bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ties you to each other. It's not mm. about being ungrateful too, because I, I, you get pushed back on that of like, oh, well, you know, they did raise you. And I'm like, I'm grateful to that. But also they chose... <laughs> Yeah. They chose to do that. But it's also done. Like, they chose yeah. to raise yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, I'm done You're now. raised, yeah. so... Yeah. I am financially, emotionally independent. Yeah. That is... Even though occasionally my mum still will be like, when I visit, and she'll be like, are you taking a coat? I'm the 34-year-old woman, mum. Chill the fuck out. I say this to my dad when I... Because he's really bad at this. He just seems to forget. And I'll be there, like, when I was stuck there in Perth. He's like, oh, great. You can mow the lawn for me. I'm like, I am not here to do your chores, my man. This is my time off that I have taken to come and visit you. I could go anywhere. I've come to you. And you want me to do chores like I'm 16-year-old. I'm like, this is my hourly rate. If you're willing to pay that, 
I'm happy to do chores for you, but otherwise I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not doing it. I'm yeah, not no, doing I know. it. And people are like, oh, well, you should help him. Why? He mm. does it when I'm not there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. So I've not been back to England. This will take quite a, we'll come back to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've not been back to England for over, well over 10 years, well over a decade. And I have a couple of close family members there who I've not seen obviously in person for that long because they've not visited here. And felt good about that a little mm. bit for a while. But then stopped yeah. because because of that, because of a lack of like connection. What do we actually talk about? I can keep in touch by phone, you know, to some degree, but also I don't think either of us are getting much value from it. So, you know, and I really resent using my leave and using my money to go to not even like the fun bits of my home country I've never been to before, but like literally where I grew up. Yeah. On what feels like a tour of duty rather than a yes. holiday. And this is often the expat problem the expat conundrum which mm. i have faced since i was like 14 years old because every mm. time we you know my family traveled a lot my dad works in aviation when i was younger we traveled extensively yeah. very privileged acknowledge that but then when we moved to australia suddenly every family vacation was back to south africa to visit the family and i was very resentful of that because i used mm. to go places yeah. now i'm just going back to a place that i don't even particularly like and yeah. where i have no freedom it's very stifling and then it becomes such a thing like when you do go overseas like when I got older and I started traveling on my own people would be mm. like when are you coming to visit us why aren't you visiting us oh you mm. can go to Singapore but you can't come to visit us I'm like yes are you gonna pay for me to come visit you no why yeah. don't you come and visit me as my dad got really upset about this he would always be like why don't they visit us why do we always yeah, have to yeah. visit them yeah which actually is a fair point it but is. because you're the one who left yeah. You're the one who betrayed the family. Therefore, yeah. you always have to make the effort. And I just, like, I resent it. I resent it. Which, you know, is why found family just doesn't feel like it puts that constraints on you. It doesn't cause that resentment. It doesn't make you do things that you don't want to do. Like, I do a lot of things for my friends and my found family that necessarily maybe I don't want to do. Like, predominantly go to sporting games. <laughs> but I will do it because it matters to them and I don't resent that. Hmm. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it because it matters to them, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, this is a sacrifice that I'm willing to make because I value and treasure you, right? And and you've built a more, you know, being blunt, meaningful connection. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and I think, to come back to the episode, I just really love that they, these little weirdo nerds. Which, I know! You know, I am a weirdo nerd, so no shade on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but... no at all. I wrote Band of Misfits. Yeah, they find each other. Yeah, it's so lovely. And we get a little, like bonding montages of them being practice (laughs) ELO (laughs) so weird the ELO ELO thing is so weird but like I think that is what makes Elton quite endearing without the ELO thing it might have been a bit like what he's a weird like he's a weird guy yeah he is he's like because he was always like an odd character in Hustle as well like casting this actor because he's like let's be honest face wise interesting looking you're like he's one of those he's a Benedict Cumberbatch is he hot (laughs) is he hot no I'm going with no. But, like, <laughs> neck down, like, attractive body. He's got an attractive body. If you're into that kind of, like, you know, mainstream fit dude body. Mm. So then, but then some, and then people seem to think, like, in Hustle, I remember the plot line was always, like, people thought Danny was hot. And it, Jackie's well into him in the yes, episode. Jackie is well into him. So, but then he's, like, chilling in his room, dancing to ELO. <laughs> <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> Repeatedly. And making, like... We kind of assume when did YouTube start? 2007? No, Just before earlier. YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would definitely be, he was definitely making a YouTube video. And they just weren't saying YouTube. Yeah, yeah, cool. I think YouTube was founded in 2004. I'm Googling it. Oh, shit. Typing. 
2005, I was so close. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so so he would have been doing it for YouTube on his little camcorder, digital camera, whatever he had. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and so it's really, he's like this character that's kind of a bit difficult to place and comic, but then also sad because, you know, they reference whatever happened that made the Doctor arrive at the beginning. But Mm. yeah, it's interesting. And then you have that in between, like some very just like bizarre scenes when we open with... It almost Benny Hill level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor and Rose and that big thing. And then, like, buckets. And then there's a pork chop. Like I thought it was very Scooby-Doo. Like, it was a Scooby-Doo yeah. homage. You know, yeah. when they're always doing the chasing <laughs> and <laughs> running through different yeah. doors and then running behind each other. And then, and then the monster's chasing them and then they're chasing the monster. It's like, what is happening? Yeah. I love it, though. Yeah. I love um, a good running montage. I know, which is just like, like I said, it's like silly and hammy and, and just like light mm. in that it's just entertaining. But then, then you get to see this kind of like flashbacks and of, of Elton explaining, you know, how he got to know about the Doctor and all the things have. And I think that's a cool insight into the impact of the Doctor yeah. on normal people. So like what we would be kind of NPCs really mm-hmm. in like the background of the Slitheen incident or in the background of the... Yeah. Well, that was going down, and they're like, actually, like, these people have been in London, and the same shit keeps happening once a year when Doctor Who rolls around to a London, like, set episode. <laughs> and everyone's time. like, the fuck? <laughs> that started with the mannequins. Yeah. Like, it's cool. I like that. I like seeing that, no, these people do, ex- like, this reality exists outside yeah. of the Doctor and continues to go on, and, like, mm. whether it's, like, parallel, whatever, who knows? Maybe it is this one timeline that he's constantly moving back and forward through, but... Yeah, it's a nice continuity thing to make to, to reinforce that this is all happening in world, right? So yeah. these things have real consequences, and I think that's been a real theme of season two that maybe I haven't noticed previously, but I have through us doing this kind of like study mm-hmm. is how it's really just a commentary on what happens when the Doctor leaves, the impact he has, the way he always mm-hmm. runs away from consequences, but the consequences still exist, like. Elton is sort of living in these consequences, right? People are starting to ask questions, but also he lost his mum. And the doctor mm. explains, yeah, sorry, I couldn't save her. That is a real consequence that has defined his life. And he sort of suppressed this memory. Yeah, it's fucking dark. Oh, interesting. It's funny, hey, how on the rewatch or just watching it and thinking about it more than yeah. like, in a, you know, I watch like a billion shows and yeah. I don't really think about them that much. 30 minutes and then you're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, whoa, cool. That was the person who got murdered. Like, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, hmm, interesting. Yeah, when you, you it's fun when you, you can see when you slow down a little bit and just think yeah, about Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's these band of, like, effectively doctor watchers. Mm. And I was a little bit worried that we were going to go down, like, a, hmm, are these conspiracy theorists? Yeah. Kind of, but it actually quite well stays away from that. But gets weird when the horrible guy turns up. Victor Kennedy, who's, like, this pastiche of a baddie. Also just a bad guy to work for. He's a terrible boss. Like, he's very strict. I know, and so... Do you get the impression that Linda... Worst acronym ever, I'm sorry. It's absolutely the worst acronym ever, but they're all fucking into it. They are so wholesome. They are so lovely. Mm. But maybe they're doing them a bit of a disservice in terms of, like, intellect? Because they're not like, hey, this Victor dude's fucking weird. Or, hey, our members are dropping like flies every time they separately have a meeting with him. Like, no one's really doing that level of interrogation. I think they're just incredibly naive, right? Yeah, okay, cool. So it's like an innocence. Yeah, it's yeah. like a sheltered innocence sort of thing. You know, they want to believe in the magic of the world. They've got this little, like, doctor club. And, you know, at one point, they're not even caring. They're not really looking for the doctor. It's just an excuse to no, get together, right? It's, it's like just like having meals because they're yeah, lonely. And, like, just... 
cute. What's his name's reading from his novel? Yeah. Um, it's just a lovely exercise of yeah. how humans always want to be in community. Like, they're always looking mm. to form communities with each other. And, like, it's one of the reasons for our loneliness and the digital culture and this age that we live in is because of our lack of community. So it's nice to see that. It really is. I fucking love it. I think that's yeah. kind of also just speaks to their naivete, right? So that Victor comes along, they're already just assuming that he's gonna, he wants to be part of our community. And then he's yeah. actually just a uh, <laughs> Victorian level working in the, the sweatshop. Yep. Who is eating, for want of a better, I mean, absorbing, but it's a kind of. I do, like, I'm really on board with the episode until the absorber offer. Yeah, like, yeah. That's when it all starts to fall. I wrote, love this app before it got to that point and then i was like Ugh. yeah because it's nice to see that kind of it's nice to see how the doctor affects other things and you don't really know where it's going because no, 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 yeah. telling you the story yeah, and you're like yeah. oh where are we gonna go with this and i was gonna be like did the doctor do something that fucked up his early life when we're gonna yeah. have some sort of like doctor facing consequences arc yeah and so you're yeah. like i'm really on board with it but then you know i get that he was designed by a seven or nine-year-old child and stuff like design wise but i feel like Surely they could have executed a little bit better. I know. I think Peter Kay was the wrong actor. Because mm. he is very, like, you know, he's a stand-up comedian. He does these comedy shows, like, like comedy, like, TV shows and stuff. But he basically plays this version of himself, which is, like, really hammy. Mm. In my limited experience, if you know better than this, please email us. But, yeah, I don't know. They got the tone of the absorbable off wrong. Yeah. It doesn't come across as... I mean, like, it's not scary, but it kind of is because it's doing bad stuff. But then it's like, it's just lame. It's a bit lazy in a I'm way. Just like, it's just like, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's a bit gross as well. Like, I don't it really want to look at the absorber. No, and he's like yucky and he kind of looks like he would be clammy. And face is tall yeah, as well. that's I weird. Like and then that. like, they made, they made bliss on his butt. Yeah. No. And like, he sticks out his tongue a lot in a really yuck way. Mm. Oh. Yeah, okay. Pretty gross. Yeah. And then I think it all sort of falls apart at the end as well. Like, you're kind of like, okay, this is nice. The doctor comes in. They have a little moment, whatever. And it, I feel like the ending would have been fine. But I think it it also goes off the rails when Ursula gets turned into No, don't. I wrote down. Moaning now the- he has Ursula's in the tile. And then in all caps, love life. I know. Because he's like, but we do have a love life. Oink. Yeah, that is so uh, fucked up. Like it's also, she's like, it's actually up. really nice. It's quite peaceful. Oh no, you've been fucking Stockholm syndrome into accepting the tile. <laughs> well, you're gonna live there forever. Also, you're gonna you watch have... him get old. This is horrible. I know. Like, why is that better than death? It's not. No, not at all. She's like completely, literally disembodied. She's a face. She's a consciousness in a tile. She's gonna say, look at that same. She's entirely beholden to him. Yeah. To be walked around, so she gets changed of scenery. Does she get fed? No. Yeah, because she doesn't have a body, so... But, like, yeah, the yeah, whole like thing what? is horrible. It would have been better just to let her die. Yeah, or I was wondering if there'd be some sort of, like, reverse absorby and then they'd kind of come back again. Or, like, yeah, she's a tile now, but we're gonna... Yeah, 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 we can move her into a body, like... Download her into a consciousness no. or something. Yeah, again, yeah. the Sonic Screwdriver, there's no fucking backstory on what that screwdriver can do. It can anything. apparently do anything, everything, sometimes not obvious things. Not wood, though. No, exactly, right? But anyway... Um, yeah, that was... I did not like that. Poor Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> it's very distracting that it's Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, it is very distracting that it's Moaning Myrtle because of Moaning Myrtle, but also because that actress, like, the combination of her voice, which I know is her voice, mm. and her weird looks to age actually <laughs> thing. She's very... You know, a lot of people are always a character actor. Yeah. Like, she's never going to m- merge into the background and just be like, 
cutesy best friend. Like, she's always going to be a character actor. Yeah. But it means it does quite draw focus. Yeah. Um, and what did he say? Most likely to fight back. Yeah, figure. yeah. Yeah, I mean, she has some, like, really showing some agency moments. And then the, there's their romantic subplot, which kind of came up halfway through. Mm. Um, and her and Elton. Mm-hmm. Which was, like, kind of cute, but then also another horrific trauma for Elton to deal with. But then he has her as a tile, so it's, like, better than nothing. It's like, you're settling for less. It also felt a bit Stockholm Syndrome in a way that, like, are you falling in love just because you're in the same community group? And she's the only eligible female around, basically. Literally. Because by that point, Bliss had disappeared. And Bridget was older, so. (laughs) And you've already got another couple in the group. Oh, Bridget and what's his name? Yeah. Um, they is his first name Colin, but they don't call him that. They call they him they like call him Mister Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mister Thingy with the novel. Yeah. So it's kind of again, you know, I don't. Sometimes I just think don't shoehorn romance into everything. It's unnecessary. Yep, I agree. Okay, so then we can go back to the whole Elton infiltrating. <laughs> Oh, poor Jackie. Yeah. Manipulation. He's being like, infiltration, infiltration. Also, that wine that they're drinking, so frothy. I would bet money that that's Ribena. It's like, got an active head to it. Wine doesn't have a frothy head. <laughs> At least, like, get some just zero alcohol wine. The props are like, no, it's just blackcurrant squat. It's not even Ribena. It's like Tesco's own. Like... Yeah, it was very weird. I do feel for Jackie, and it's, yeah, it's actually going to be my standout moment from the app. But, you know, she's obviously going through it, right? Like, she's so desperate for connection as well that she just latches on. And we know from past experience that she's very flirty. She is, she is. (laughs) Poor Christopher Eccleston. She (laughs) is, yes. But still, yeah, it's kind of weird. Oh, there's a Torchwood Files drop as well. Still building this Torchwoodiness. Jackie's listening to El Devo. (laughs) Blast from the past, El Devo. Are they still around? I don't know. Should you Google it? Okay, let me look up um, what El Devo is. Because I, rem- I remember them being, yeah, you know, like I didn't listen to them in the noughties in England, but like they were part of my like cultural awareness. They're still around. They're still active. He is active. Wow. to present. So, um... I kind of enjoyed the absorbal of trying to hold Elton hostage and the doctor just being like, so... And he's like, you know, I've read about you, I've studied you, so passionate, so sweet, you wouldn't let an innocent man die. And the doctor's like, sweet, maybe, passionate, I suppose, but don't ever mistake that for nice. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm into it too. Because I also subscribe to the kind but not nice ethos of life. Mm, yeah. I know, and you might talk about this when you're a stand-up moment, but the Jackie thing. Yeah. I I feel like sometimes, like you said the point lazy before in terms of writing, sometimes they're a bit lazy with writing Jack because she comes across as very, like, flat. She's one-dimensional. She's either a predator and super flirty and, like, cougaring, or she's, like, ditzy, because she literally is doing the predator flirty, like, you know, lots of eyeliner, weird shade of orange. And then, you know, she gets a call and she's like, I'm sorry, I was just being stupid. Yeah. And you're like, don't... It's just sad. Yeah, I think, yeah, she is a bit sad. Which is like, maybe that is her, right? You know, she doesn't know what she's up to and she's got a lot going on or not and that's the issue, but just give her a bit more... Give her something. Give her a Just hobby. rather making her exist only in relation to Rose and to men. I mean, that's the only time we that's see it. her, right? That's yeah. the problem. We don't know if she has a rich full life. We haven't no. been shown that. No, if anything, we just get implications that she's like, I've been waiting a year, you know, when her and Mickey were hanging out. She doesn't even have Mickey anymore. And this is what I think. That's like her only friend. I do think she is just sad and lonely. Like, yeah. Anyway, I'll talk about that. Okay, cool, yeah. So, yeah, super suspicious dude turns up, who turns out to be the Absorbathon. Absorbathoth? 
Loth. Absorb a loth. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Like a sloth. Yeah. Oh. But absorbing. No. Yuck. So he turns up and he's super suspicious. They don't realise. Then he, like, kind of makes them into, like, you said, this little sweatshop of, like, <laughs> hunting, like, weaponizing Linda to, to some degree, hunt for the Doctor and Rose, but actually ends up being, like, capable, which is surprising. Mm. And they just kind of go along with it. And it's all very, like... Well, I feel like yeah. this is what happens in fandom groups. Like everything is fun and games, and then usually they turn toxic. Like all <laughs> fandoms turn toxic at some point, and you usually do have some character who comes in who's larger than life, who becomes the mod of the server, and the next thing you know, your peaceful little corner of the internet has turned into a toxic campfire. Like ooh, any like Discord group, any Reddit. Honestly, <laughs> like it always just is, it hangs on the mods, and you just need one unbalanced mod to come in and to be like and it's often the most vocal ones because it's the people who keep the, the server going that are ones posting yeah, a lot yeah, so people yeah, are like yeah. yes make them a mod and you're like no no hey, this was a mistake yeah revoke yeah because you don't want to give that kind of power to that kind of yeah strong personality yeah and someone who doesn't necessarily respect other people's boundaries yeah or get the overall you know coming in with a very like this dude has he doesn't give a shit about Linda he doesn't no. give a shit about the family aspect he doesn't give a shit about their community he just wants to find the Which doctor you would argue was Linda's original purpose was to True. find the doctor so he's just come in being like I'm bringing us back to the our core, core basis yeah but then just mission rip, statement, yeah, and then rips <laughs> everything to shreds, which you often see in hostile takeovers as well. Yeah, like, you know, people will come into who mm. you know the people currently taking over HBO that is causing so much drama for everyone. Oh, I don't know about this. Yeah, so I think is it Warner Discovery? Discovery oh. bought out HBO Max, no. and now they're sort of just shredding all of their programs. They're taking stuff off streaming, like HBO Originals, which means. <gasps> you're never gonna see it again it's no 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 because no, no one's else. gonna buy it or yeah. maybe then let's say sell it to someone else but... so just pulling them off because then they don't have to pay residuals to the actors or the no yeah oh so you get these things when people take over you know Elon taking over Twitter it's a whole thing so yeah I think that's what Victor is he's just a dominant yeah. personality you know ruining a good thing also male presenting also extrovert also, you know, loudest voice in the room, like all that annoying alpha tox mask shit. Yeah. Yeah. White, well, I mean, hiding white, actually yeah. green. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> white presenting, he's chosen. Yeah, I know, of, of an older, like, distinguished looking white man. Mm. The person who's going to have the power. Yeah. Well, I have one last random observation, then maybe we can crack into some stand acts. Mm. So, timeline. I think there's a little bit of a timeline kind of issue here. Interesting. So Elton talks about, you know, my memory of three, I was three, I was three, you know, talks about I was three or four, like, you know, when he has this memory of seeing the doctor and then his mum died. And then you have that flashback to him on a school field with his mum. And that (laughs) child is not three. The back of that child is clearly like eight, nine. He's a large child, but apparently with his mum. She died when from the dark shade thing when you were three. So, what the fuck? Sorry. Didn't I even notice that? That's some good timeline policing <laughs> from Prefect Soap there. Just enough to take me out the moment to be uh, like, what? Not allowed. Last week it was sounds in space. This week it's incorrect child aging. Yeah, I thought you were going to say something about the doctor. I'm like, he's got a time machine. It doesn't matter. All time issues can be explained by the TARDIS. And you're like, no, oh, okay, the mother, I see. <laughs> you're gearing up to be like, everything is explained by the TARDIS. So. Can't gloss over that. <laughs> Maybe he was just a large three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> like, so scary. <laughs> um, 
Okay, standout cool. moments. Yeah, you go. So yeah, like I said, I think Jackie is the standout moment for me with this episode mm. because we get to see her in her life without Rose or the Doctor around. So she's not reacting to them. And I think there's a real loneliness in her mm. that we get to see. There's a real struggle for her to cope with Rose being gone. And I think, you know, a lot of parents have to deal with, obviously, your kids leaving the house or whatever. But she has this added stress of knowing that she's out there exploring the universe. She could die on a planet and she might never find out back in the past. And she might never know unless the doctor comes and tells her. Yeah. And he might not even be able to do that either. So every time Rose is like out of sight, she has this anxiety that just mm. permeates things. And I think that would be hard for her to form relationships or even do things in her life like move. She can't move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, because she can't tell her. Or yeah. And like she has to wait for the call. She can't make a call back. She has no, no agency. Yeah. Mm. And so there's a real vulnerability for her in that, I think. And that's what we see that Elton exploits. Like he gets in and he sort of, like, yeah, she flirts with him, but it's because she's desperate, right? Like there's a desperation yeah. to Jackie. And I think there was a desperation to her when she first met the doctor. Like she was very flirty with Nine in that yeah. very first episode and stuff. Like, strange man in my bedroom. Uh, uh, yeah. But it was more playful. Like this. Yeah. Just feels yeah. sad. It does feel fucking sad. And she's on her own and I think that's why it is. Like, we get to see this isolation that, you know, when the doctor takes a companion away or a companion goes with the doctor to give Rose some agency. Yeah. It's not just a decision that just affects them. No, 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 not at all because no one's an island. Yeah. And especially, I mean, this is interesting when we're talking about in the context of friend family how sometimes parents who have children, like, those children kind of become their world. Yeah. And that brings with it a whole bunch of stuff. It's a like, lot of pressure on a child as well. It's a lot know. of pressure on a child to be like, that my parents are always kind of hanging on to me like, you know, come and visit. Like, oh, I really want grandkids. Yeah. Like, you know, don't neglect me or hasn't you haven't called in a while. Like, I'm really lucky that I didn't grow up with that kind of parenting and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have kids and my mum has very clearly always been like it's entirely your choice like mm. she's she's very open that she is not anything to do with her like i really appreciate that because it's not the experience that all my friends have had for sure like you know, go back for christmas and they're so when will we yeah, uh, yeah, when will yeah. we become grandparents when i call my parents and they're like oh you should call more i'm like you can call me yeah they're yeah, like yeah. oh yeah i suppose we can I'm like it's not like you have to skype me it's not the past it doesn't mm. cost money to do that anymore interesting hey yeah mm -hmm. And what was your standout moment? Um, so mine was a bit lighter. Mm. Um, mine was Danny doing his little opening video <laughs> and being like, I need a remote control zoom. I'm having to do that with a lean. Lean? Because he's just like, zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh. And then also just the entire character of Bliss. But we only get her for a little bit because she then she gets absorbed yeah. into a butt. But she's just brilliant. I've seen her in other stuff too, but I can't remember what it is right now. But I've definitely seen her in other like Britishy dramery stuff. They get around the yeah, British they do, actors, they do, the yeah, 12 yeah. of them. Especially that, like, level. Like, her kind of, like, mid-tier level. Like, they're never going to be in anything HBO-y. Like, no. it's going to be, you know, BBC like... BBC Yeah, BBC. ITV. Or maybe, like, ITV. Or maybe, like, Channel 4 quirky comedy. Yeah. She's, like, a friend of the main characters. Like, mm. yeah. So that was it. Love I that. mean, overall, there's definitely been apps I've hated way more. Mm -hmm. This one, I liked the first two-thirds of it, and then I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I agree. I, I was kind of stealing myself because I remember how much hatred this episode got. I'm like, oh, how is this going to hold up? But I was actually fairly ambivalent towards it. Yeah. Like, it's fine. It does have that Torchwood kind of vibe. And, you know, I do like Torchwood. Yeah, and it's so a change like, of pace. You know. Whatever. But yeah, the last the last quarter really lets it down. Once the yeah. Absorbal Off is revealed, it's kind of like, oh. oh God, how is this going to wrap up? Yeah. Um, It was kind of nice to see less of the Doctor and Rose. Like, it just mm. wasn't there, you know. 
And you've still got a lot about them, though. Yeah, mentally. they're still very much in it, conceptually. Just yeah. not, like, physically. physically. Mm. Great. Mm. Okay, okay. Okay, well, we'll be taking a break over the festive season, and then we'll be back. Our first episode for 2023 will be Season 2, Episode 11, Fear Her. You can let us know your thoughts by emailing atardisofonesown at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the show notes for links. I mean, there won't be very many, but check it out anyway. And um, yeah, there'll be references to what we've discussed in this app, which is one meal card. <laughs> yes, otherwise, never mind. cite our thoughts. Our brains. <laughs> you can cite Jen and Sophie, 2022. <laughs> A TARDIS of one's own. Yes. Um, have a lovely break if you get one. I hope mm. you do. I do love this time of year when everyone just stops caring. So stop caring. This is your permission to stop caring. A hundred percent. Check out mentally, spiritually. Emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tasty food and happy holidays to all that celebrate. Yeah. Lovely. All right. We're out. Okay. Bye. bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs>